This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Evan. And we're going to talk about I Will Fear No Evil, a 1970 novel by Robert A. Heinlein. First published in July through December of Galaxy as a serial in four parts. Taking up a good chunk of each of those issues, some of them are double issues. 90 pages of, of Robert, I, Robert A. Heinlein talking to himself. Um, <laughs> you went right there immediately, Paul. Um, I don't. I don't know if you were the one to suggest this. I've been suggesting it for years, but if I, you, I did. I did suggest it recently. Okay, yes. so Paul, yeah, is this a kissing book? <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty sure is it is. Lot, there's a lot more sex in this book than I remembered and I remembered a lot of sex. There's even more sex than there's, I remembered. There's a lot of sex book. talk and there's a lot of sex, but I'm actually just talking about like is there a person she doesn't kiss or he doesn't kiss or doesn't get kissed? I don't think uh, so. She she yeah. fucking she the the passport Even agent the judge, the, yeah. yeah oh, she she has babies yeah. with the judge practically. But the guy at yeah. the end <laughs> Who's you know being an asshole to her? Uh, she says, "I want to love you." And his wife, uh, he says, "My wife lets me love ten percent of women, other women, or whatever." <laughs> she, she 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 doesn't kiss her granddaughters. That's true. That's true. That's interesting. Uh, so I no, 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 remember. No, I would save the incest for later books. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is I remembered this as being a like a nineteen eighties book, and. I didn't realize that it was like it was not 1980s that it was much earlier in his career. This is actually like right after some of the some of the big books that you say, "Oh, well that was a good book." <laughs> and so uh, I'm like, um, "Hmm. What 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 what's going on?" Because I I I remember this as like more in the period like I read it in the same period as I read uh Friday and and I was thinking that's the last good Heinlein novel, and then he goes crazy. Um, I mean, he was going crazy the whole time, but he really went crazy. But this is actually much earlier than that. Um, I was I was trying to figure out like why I I thought it was I thought it was from 1980, and it's actually from 1970. Huge huge path difference, um, and that's only like four years after after uh, Paul Anderson. Uh, Frederick Pohl's um, Day Million. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's doing a giant work on this essentially same subject, sort of. And, uh, dudes, I would not recommend this book to people unless they're insanely Heinlein completists or they're looking at it like I was, sort of as a artifact of, of the of the 20th century and sort of the strivings towards uh, our modern world because I was rolling my eyes so many times and I don't, I'm not an eye roller. I am not one of those people who just like rolls their eyes at everything. But the number of times I was like in the car, listening at double speed, driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, my eyes roll back into my head as he says, 
essentially the same thing over and over again. And they're all like arguments like, like, I ultimatum, if you don't do X, I will uh, fire you and leave the country. (laughs) And then the other person says, oh, I'm sorry. And then the other says, no, I'm wrong. (laughs) And then back and forth like this. And everybody is the same person. And, and then I started thinking, um, like, something I never thought before, and I was thinking, oh, I'm really glad Evan's going to be on for this one, because I'm reading it in the way that I'm pretty sure he didn't intend it, uh, which is, this is all about, like, I, I became really fascinated with the world rather than the guy who's taking over the world with his t- talk, endless talk. Um <laughs> I became fascinated with the world, and I, I was thinking, oh, this is actually a very relevant story for today, because it's a guy who wants everything to be about him. He falls in love with a girl, and he says, I want to be that girl. Um, and then he says, I, fall, I fell in love with my lawyer, and then I want to have his baby, but I'm not going to tell him it's his baby. In fact, I'm going to go get my sperm and inject myself with it, and then it's going to be all about me, and I'm going to name my baby after me. And... And then every time somebody dies, he just incorporates that person into himself. And it's like, Jesus, fuck. It's like the biggest ego trip on the planet by the richest asshole in the world. And I still kind of like the book. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I I wasn't sure because I thought he injected his own sperm into his new body. I thought that would. But is it because then later on he talks about. He's having Jake's baby, so I wasn't quite sure about what. I was just like, did I misremember that? Because I thought, because He's, he goes to this has it Jake's every way, husband, right? So he has it every way. Mm-hmm. No, no, but, no, because because it, because because there's a whole bit about dealing with the doctor and oh yeah, I'm going to increase your endowment if you don't tell anybody I did this. And I thought, okay, he's impregnating himself with himself. I mm-hmm. get it, but then later on, there's a comment about oh yeah. The, He's having Jake's baby. It's like, wait, wait, it was Jake's sperm? Wait, wait. Well, I socially, thought it was his sperm. socially, it'd be Jake's baby. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. So I was like, I was like, no, I thought it was his sperm. That was the whole weird, strange, incestuous is not the word, self-centered points. Like, yeah, I'm gonna have my own baby. It's like, incestuous if 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 you're having sex with yourself. That's that's about it. Uh, it, it this is um, the most. That, this self- is not. This is not that Heinlein book where that's later on. I don't know. I I was looking through his entire uh, you know catalog of books. He wrote I don't know forty novels or something. I've read every single one of them except for uh, To Sail Beyond the Sunset because I heard bad things about it. But I I also read this book. <laughs> I read Number of the Beast, and oh, and I haven't read like uh, Variable Star or the. Uh, the other one that was published uh, long after his death, but I've re- I've read pretty much everything, and this is like closing in on on the worst, <laughs> but also um, kind of interesting. It's just way too fucking long. Yeah, uh, too long. yeah. I didn't realize. Wait, I didn't realize it was long when I looked at the the time up left on the because uh, I I had I had to my shame bought this on Audible. Because I had an extra credit, I bought it. This is before you gave me the, the right, file, just right, so I right. had it sitting there for a while. Like, and then I looked at the times, like, oh my god, it's really that long. And and, and then and then I went, sigh, I'm gonna have to listen to this. Oh, it, it, there's so yeah, many rye rolls. Go I, for it, Evan. I, I sort of despaired when we're about halfway through, and he's already like 
impregnated himself. I'm like, where can this go from this point on? <laughs> it, it seemed I got the point. And I think there's wonderful stuff here. I, I Yes. I, it's, I mean, just being a document of the sexual revolution. Like yes. Just putting it in that context. Where you, got, you got the group sex. I mean, it's even forward thinking. I mean, I don't know what I've been trying to keep up with the the trans movement just so I don't like say the wrong thing <laughs> sometimes, but it's, you know, it's, it's talking about that too, in a way. Right. But in a, in a very, in a way that I'm sympathetic to mm-hmm. this idea that you are, you are your physical body your your training, your, your performance, or I'm skeptical of this idea of like an internal self mm-hmm. in a way. And as much as the novel is, people talking to themselves in their head and you think, Oh, it's talking about the internal self, but he's a, he becomes a woman because he has a woman's body and he becomes a woman because he performs as a woman. She mm-hmm. becomes a she essentially. And that's, that's kind of my reading of it. That it's all about performance and mm-hmm. habit and, and who you are in physicality. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if someone walks down the street and I'm attracted to them, I'm a heterosexual, I'm attracted to them. I'm attracted to them because of their hair, their skin, their, their breasts or whatever, right? I'm attracted mm-hmm. physically to them, not to their like inner self, who they are. <laughs> so that's that. I was like really sy- sympathetic with this approach to this kind of sex change he undergoes, um, and all of the like. When I first like actually, when I first read or I first started looking at this novel, I went to the Wikipedia. It's very short, mm-hmm. right? The Wikipedia entry, novel. not the book. Yeah, the Wikipedia entry. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's a really interesting way to get to a, a threesome. Yeah, right? so that's what you tweeted and, and, at, at me. Uh, yeah, well, I, I sent it as a personal message. I said, that's a really interesting way to get to a threesome. And then like an hour or two into the novel, Eunice, before she's she's murdered, is talking about – she's actually having threesomes with her husband, mm-hmm. you know, swinging with him. So, you know, he's – I mean, the sexual morality of this world is already beyond that of, of, of Johann Sebastian Bach-Smith. Because mm-hmm. he's old, right? And in that way, it, you know, kind of the same thing happens in Stranger in a Strange Land, right? But there you need the alien to kind of say, no, like our sexual morality is beyond yours, you know, because we're from Mars. So, but this uses that long life to allow him to kind of be of the old generation, mm-hmm. but experience this new. And by getting this new body, he's able to kind of be a sexual revolutionary yeah. in a way, which is yeah. really cool stuff i just yeah i agree with you it's way too long like halfway through i'm like what more do you have to say this uh less meetings would have helped oh jesus stuff in the head this is the same (laughs) problem i had with stranger in a strange land like uh like fuck get off the poolside bench and go (laughs) have like a job Uh, i was thinking like how all the people these rich people and you know the people who work for this rich person um, how they don't see it like the, their job is to stand around talking to this sex crazed maniac, um, <laughs> who, who's everything about you is, is unimportant. It's all about me. And I like, I was obsessed and I'm like, I wanted to spend all the time looking at the world outside and not through these news clips that we get, uh, I don't know, every few chapters to show oh, time yeah, passing, yeah. but yeah. like, 
it's it's actually very modern. It's it's all about billionaires and what they want. They run things. And notice how it's everything is fucking completely a hundred percent. Oh no, sorry, a billion percent corrupt, right? Like mm-hmm. the, he knows the judge. He can. He went to you know school. He, with he, him. Know, he know he knows most. He knows five of the nine Supreme Court's justices. That's right. And 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 so I'm thinking this is very realistic. And you know the fact they've got these abandoned areas, right? Um, that is not the, 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 no, yeah. They're basically lawless no go zones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what are they there for? Oh, they're they're for the poors. That's where the poors live. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Including his wife, or sorry, his himself, his girlfriend, uh, his his uh, assistant, who's basically jobs like her. What she thinks of her, of her, what she thinks her job is is to perk up this disabled. Uh, ancient corpse man and she's like I, I really need to get, I mean she doesn't put it this way because we're, it's everything's from Highlight's old man point of view but her job she thinks is to dress up as sexy as she can so that she can keep her job now she doesn't say to keep my job but if you look at the power dynamics in here there's one person who yeah. has extreme amounts of power and there's Everybody else who has way less power, like way less power, and we're we're seeing everything from this character's point of view. I mean, there is a scene where we spend time with his lawyer and and the girl, uh, the the body, Eunice. Um, yeah, before she dies. Yeah. Before she dies, but it's not much time, and. And also, I don't trust it. <laughs> like, like I was trying to read. I was reading it as a very sub, like if you read this subversively against what the text says, um, it becomes even more insidious. Because, yeah. uh, honestly, I, this is the worst thing about Heinlein, Paul. Not the problematic stuff. Like there is that. I mean, fucking rape fantasies all throughout. There's mm-hmm. child molestation, all sorts of shit going on in, in this world. It's the it's the conversations that he has with himself through his characters. Those are so frustrating, like in- mm-hmm. incredibly frustrating. Whereas wh- I read Larry Niven, I'm like, I see. He doesn't what care do. about that stuff. And no, he doesn't. But but like he ha- he says, look, this is an alien, and they have a different mindset. They don't think the way this uh, this other guy does. This other guy, he's just bored and wants to do his his own thing these guys he's desperately interested in sex yeah sure this guy's interested in sex but not in the same way that guy is he's a virgin and he hasn't had sex or it's a virgin and hasn't had sex with anybody in the universe and wants to and has to do this great mission in order to do it the other guy's like ah whatever i can get sex anytime i I, i'm just uh cool and then there's this other girl who's like yeah i don't know what the hell's going on but everything seems to be working out so like they're different, right? And mm-hmm. and they they're motivated by slightly different things. Whereas this guy, everything is motivated by the same thing, which is you know, it's it's like it's just insane. It's 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 like sick in a way. And yet, I think he really is onto something. He's he's onto some things, but it's just freighted down with everything else that really frustrates me. The reason mm-hmm. why I wanted you to do this, do this book and I, re- I suggested you was because I wanted to see, because I kind of dimly remembered the very strong uh, class and uh, mm. 
financial stratification of the society. And that's something that we're dealing with today. And I wanted to, mm-hmm. wanted to go back to this book to see how he deals with that. And it is all like, it, it is the 1% and then there's everybody else. And it's I way guess, higher we, than the 1%. It's the yeah. way. Yeah. It's percent. Yeah. So where's, I mean, I mean, this society seems to be, te- I mean, it seems to be a really, really skewed pyramid. You have, they're very, very rich. And then you have, and then you, I mean, Eunice has a good job. She's working for this billionaire. She's making decent money and she lives in an abandoned area. Is the, is this world mm-hmm. really that bad that everybody except the billionaires live, live in crap? What, well, what, I think there's really, where's, a, the rest, where's the rest of the society is what I want to know. Well, I think there's a, well, I want to focus on, on one aspect of this society, which is partially, I did I wasn't too eager to get too much into it because I knew it was going to end. We're going to end up with Malthus, which, which is where I didn't want to go. And I'm just kind of. Oh, did you say Malthus? Don't want to hear Malthus. Oh, Malthus. Malthus. Yeah, I don't oh, wanna, yes. I'm, I got you. I'm sick of Malthusian arguments. Yeah, I think stupid. Malthus should and be buried. Wrong. Yep. You know, as deep as we can. But in the 60s, of course, you have. Uh, or like bomb. the population yeah. bomb. You have, I mean, Star Trek did overpopulation episodes. Uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the conscience sure. is it the conscience of a king? Is that the one? Conscience of the king is one where they want to get. Her, but that's her like blood. a colony. That had a colony with not enough resources, right? But there's that one called mm-hmm. the Mark of Gideon or something mm-hmm. where Kirk is supposed to bring a, a disease down to wipe out a. Right, because he's carrying yeah. it as blood, yeah. yeah. But you have like novels like Stand on Zanzibar and Make Room, Make Room, mm-hmm. or Soiling Green. And that that's all coming from kind of the population bomb fears of the post-war population boom, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, none of those fears of mass starvation, you know, are come true, right? I even remember when I was in college, I, I think of this when I teach geography, because, you know, the, we talk about ethnic conflict, religious conflict, things like that. But I remember in when I was in college taking geography, there was talks about the water wars that are going to come. Oh, they're right? still talking about that, dude. And and where are they? I mean, I'm sure maybe somewhere people are fighting about water, but where are these resource wars? Not, you know, U.S. invading Iraq for oil or something, but I don't know if that had any effect on the on the output of oil in the global market. I, I, I was thinking of the... Of the uh... Bond movie Quantum of Solace, which is which yeah. kind of t- touches on that same idea of oh yeah, water is going to be a resource we fight over. Yeah, and, 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 that, yeah. that was the I one with the invisible car. Yeah, so, well, yes, yeah, we an invisible enough car. food. We produce enough food now for ten billion people, and you know, there's what seven and a half on the planet, and still a billion of those people are food, you know, in, in, insecure. It's not. It's not a problem of production. It's a problem of distribution. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, totally. But this this kind of meme is still out there that oh, there's too many people. The problem is overpopulation or whatever. And I just I didn't want to get too much into this world because I knew that's kind of well. I think that that that's now. some of the least least informative, least interesting yeah. parts of the book because it's it's just wrong. He he made a mistake. I was thinking, yeah, but like, everyone was kind of wrong at the time. That's kind of my point. That's, that's true. Like, it was out in the air. I want to. I want to talk about uh, an aspect of uh, that we see in a society that is pervasive throughout the book, and also, um, I think, very realistic in our time. But also, it's he got it wrong slightly, which is um, uh, the bugging. You know, like he's always worried mm-hmm. about his lawyer's desk being bugged and he's worried about surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. The room being bugged. And that's right from the beginning, right. When he's making his contracts with his lawyer and then 
putting up these ultimatums that uh, I mean this guy was uh, I'm I'm glad Heinlein wasn't like dealing with the Soviet Union because mm. he's brinksman everything is everything is about like you know I'm going to bring my troops right to your border and threaten you huh and you don't like that huh <laughs> like well not everybody is you Heinlein <laughs> Some people will just see those tanks rolling, and before you even get to the border and say, you don't like that, you know, they're rolling their tanks at you, right? Like, you, you can't deal with everybody that way. But I think he really got right is without actually having, you know, the phone. Wherever we go, we take our phone. And the reason we take our phone is because it's, it's a universal communications device. It allows us to communicate with everybody on the planet at any given time. It allows us to, you know, uh, read about anything that's going on and be informed. And we think of it as a safety tool. It's just absolutely, it's like a part of our life in the way that a house is, but even more important because we take it with us, right? It's more important than any piece of clothing that you're wearing. Even if you're naked, you need your phone, right? So he, he has this idea of the universal bugging that not only is it, uh, you know, his staff who's spying on him, but remember at his wedding... He uh, he's worried about the um, uh, the press getting in and taking photos, which is a real thing for for celebrity you know, weddings. Yeah, yeah, rich people and royals and that sort of thing. Um, and then there's even in one of those sequences with the the news, we find out that uh, a, wed- a member of the wedding party is sent to Canada, uh, and they thought that they were those the ro- uh, wedded couple, but actually it was somebody else who was at the party and although that person was not the right person they were very fetching or whatever and i was thinking oh that's actually him saying and that's sort of a line in the book that we didn't get which is you're going to go to canada to throw off the scent so we can have our actual honeymoon and i'm going to pay for your vacation that's what that's yeah i got every fucking relationship is tainted with money like uh here's this artist who's I was like suspicious of it first, even though I'd read the book before. <laughs> it was a long time ago. It was 40 years ago or whatever. Oh, no, not quite. <laughs> 35 years ago or whatever. Um, I, I was like, oh, this artist, he's going to be a problem. He's like probably the most ethical person in the book because mm-hmm. he doesn't spend any time thinking about all the horrible shit that this guy is doing um, and tries not to uh, be corrupted by it. And then we get a little speech by Heinlein in the body of this lady, which is essentially saying, yeah, he's right to do that, to not care about this shit. Um, it's a problem. Money is a problem. And, and sort of that problem of money uh, infecting every relationship is another theme that's going on in here. And, He's, he talks about how rich people can't have friends, um, and they don't have friends, right? And that's yeah. wow, it's true. Well, yeah, because of what? Because at one point, uh, Jake says Jake denies to somebody else that he's Johan's friend. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not his friend. I'm his, I'm his business partner. Mm-hmm. It's like, and but then late, later on to each other, they profess it differently. But it's like it's it's a very cynical view. of of relationships of rich people like yeah they don't have friends they have assets relate they have assets yeah. relationships and and uh, opportunities and and also they like literally have their body organs replaced with those of the poorer people around them right 
It's like, oh, oh yeah, oh yes, thank it, you for reminding me. That's the that's the other book. I, that's the book I wanted to talk about in discussion. You just reminded me. I wrote it down. I've forgotten that. It's like, oh yes. Um, have ever you read Bug Jack Barron? But I've heard you no. mention it before. Bug Jack Barron by Norman Spinrad is about a talk show host who gets wrapped up in a billionaire billionaire's plot to basically achieve immortality by taking kids organs irradiating them putting them in bodies and he has this done to to baron among others mm-hmm. and he basically as and this this billionaire basically wants to become president get up supreme power and and live forever and baron is baron's kind of conflicted because he's undergone this procedure himself is like how can i oppose this what do i do this guy is powerful so it's it, and I believe it was written in about the same time. So it, it goes with that whole idea of living living forever and transcending humanity and transcending mortality, which are which are basically themes of this book because even beyond the fact of the brain transplant, the whole the, the whole spiritual soul surviving sort of thing is all mm-hmm. I have I have forgotten at the end that oh yeah, Jake gets in their heads who's like I don't get why. Okay, I can see why you. I can. I can. If I squint, I can see why Eunice's soul would, soul, spirit, mind would be in the body in in the body after the transplant. Okay, may, okay. So maybe the soul resists in the whole body, not in the mind. That's fine. I can go with that. Well, well no. If you want to take this as a premise, go as the. Pre- I'm saying I'm taking that as his premise. But then, why does Jake's mind get in there? Where did that come from? Yeah. Why does that make sense? <laughs> it does not. It does not. It has no connection. Nothing. I think it, he really wanted this this threesome in his brain. Yes. No. <laughs> That's I, why he has to put him in there. I, I, I think you're right. Um, there's uh, it, what is it, it was what you said. You texted me or whatever. Yeah. DM me. You said this is a swinger book, and um, yeah. I haven't even started <laughs> the book sorry, at that this point. Is conversation, but yeah, you're um, absolutely right. It is swing. It is a, it is a swinger book. I mean, because they. I mean, except for the grandkids, he has he she they have sex with. Sex or sexual con- contact, or at least implications, with everybody in this novel. I notice. I, I want to notice also that the the grandkids are monsters, right? We're told they're monsters, mm-hmm. and then they're shown to be monsters in a certain sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah. And wh- how did that happen? Who caused that? Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that. That the, you know, he he uh, Heinlein acknowledges. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was this guy who did it. Right, mm-hmm. um, and now he's he's proceeding to in inveigle and puppet everybody's life around him. Right, so he says, "I'm here's here's my plan. I'm going to leave this house that's become a prison for me to my uh, servants and put it in trust, so they can't do what the fuck they want with it because they're not competent." And then uh, the this religious guy who is one of my bodyguards and also, uh, I believe, a, a, a convicted murderer. And by the way, they're all murderers and they're black guys. Um, and that's okay mm, yeah. because they're redeemable. And in my world, I can harness them and they're actually good people. And I kiss them, right? And I'm going to do all that. And, and, I, and then there's this conversation where it's like, yeah, I don't believe in religion, but um, let them save souls because I'm cute and uh, I look sexy in this this uh shirt don't i or whatever and it's like this half breast everything is about you and i'm like is this is heinlein like is is he addressing this 
in any sort of like self-conscious way. And I think he is, but I don't think he goes all the way and actually shows it because that, that idea of like, Oh, I just repossessed the body of, of a, of an employee of mine, a much younger female employee of mine who is dependent on me for her job. Um, and then what do I do? Not only do I take her body and now I'm going to take her name and I'm going to start acting like her. And now everything's fine because, uh, Every person I ask who has to get money from me, right, for their living and for their existence um, in the way that he describes to, you know, how rich people can't have friends. Everybody, I'm going to ask them, I, am I like Eunice? If I've been especially good after you pa- paddle me on the bottom in the way that I like, yeah. um, can you call me Eunice, please? And then when you don't call me Eunice, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> Like, fuck you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fucking take over the world and everybody's fucking body, you ass. Why does he do this? Ah, oh, he's so annoying, man. Paul, this is the reason people shouldn't read. Because <laughs> he's so fucking annoying. Y- yes. I, 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 mean, I mean, is this the most... Is this the least appealing Heinlein main character in his canon? He's had he, like he, that Harriman guy. He was supposed to be. Um, Harriman's Her- 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 better this guy. Harriman just wanted to make money and go with the moon. Right. Which and this he, guy and he does dies too. doing. This guy, does, this guy does too. He does us too, but Harriman wasn't this annoying. No, yeah. He didn't, he didn't have to take over a woman's body. The, see, Harriman no. never thought about that. He said, I'm going to go to the moon. And then he goes up there and he dies of a heart attack, right? Because his body wasn't good enough. So he says, oh, oh, redo. Uh, Harriman had a bad plan. So I'm going to replace my body so that I can take the, the G uh, forces. I, I mean, the, 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 the characters in Number of the Beast can all be assholes sometimes, but they're not as assholey as Johann Smith. Yeah, I think this is the worst. Yeah, this is the least appealing Heinlein character. If I had to and say, it's okay, you dystopia can, you have to- <laughs> that I think he caused. I think the the shit world that's around him is caused by him and a few other yeah. people just like him that we never really see in the story. And that, that like it's it's like uh, my Clinton uh, organization that I take billions of dollars in corrupt all sorts of places. This this organization, oh yeah, you're the one doing that, and the reason the world looks the way it does, that's how we got this world, bud. Oh yeah, no, you love, you love, I'm a good guy. Texas. Become a vegan like me. Like fuck you, fuck it, you. <laughs> and yet there's some interesting things that I want to know more about. I mean, there, for example, there was clearly a nuclear war in this world. Did you catch the reference to strontium ninety yeah, in China? In, in the Chinese milk, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, they, they said the People's Democratic Republic of China, which sounds like the People's Republic of China got nuked. And now there's and because because the Russians who are still still communists don't like uh, I don't uh, they basically consider them an ally of the U.S. So basically there was an the U.S. and China had a nuclear war. Now China is kind of quasi democratic and well, all the good stuff is made in China. Right at the beginning of the book, we get a, a camera made in China yeah. that's. Wonderful. So 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 yeah, it's like it's very modern. I want to know more, <laughs> I, I want to know more about this dystopic world, but I don't want to spend any time with Johann Smith. Because... Yeah, no, I think what we need yeah. for this book is like it, it needs to be neuromancered, right? Somebody needs to infiltrate, like to re- retell this story from the point of view of of an infiltrator trying to like get some revenge for that people and they break into his uh 
you know, Eunice was an agent sent in to try and uh, subvert and uh, get shit changed because this guy's money is he can't he can't control it. All he can do is spend it and threaten people with it. Let's get it out of his hands and you know liberate everybody and maybe not do some policing as much as like how about community investment like build some fucking roads and infrastructure because <laughs> well even some kind of liberation terrible. for 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 Eunice would have been nice i mean i i got so bothered by like Eunice's soul or whatever that is mm-hmm. in, in the brain constantly calling him boss yep it was getting on my nerves oh you man know, as i worked through the novel and it, 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 i couldn't get it out of my head because it it was it's kind of an s&m sort of language there <laughs> he's not the boss anymore you're dead so you're, you're dead and you're at least an equal you're an equal in that brain you should leave well, like uh, that. But, what's the the connecticut yankee and king arthur's court right he becomes sir boss yeah Yep. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> and the whole word, the word "boss," right, being a repl- the American replacement, yeah, replacement of master, uh, for yeah. master. So it is an S and M thing. But that's and, a that's a racial thing, by the way. I got to jump in there. It was sure. the reason "boss" becomes popular among whites in the U.S. is because "master" was for black. Yeah, because it's people. from the Dutch word for "master." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. and so it didn't translate into a slave society very, very well. So this is a very, very difficult book i don't want to say problematic i think it's just too fucking long and i think if if we had seen it as a much shorter thing like i don't know novella length i think it could be like just as an amazing explosion of ideas as we see in uh, day million you know it's like just reality bombs in in a way that i was like if you were gonna film this this would be a nightmare uh because like, it's so first of all it's all internal there's so much of it that's internal and then it's just fucking endless dialogue scenes um you know the action the exciting action sequence with the shotguns and the the killing of the people and the armored car that all happens off screen right the surgery scene is not particularly exciting there's nothing really exciting going on just conversations in different lawyers' offices, <laughs> sitting people, men sitting behind desks, being attacked by this woman, and then there's so many lines in it where, like, seriously, you're going to say that, and then the next line is going to be the exact opposite contradiction. She says something like, um, "If I ever get married, I'm going to let him become my boss, and I'll always honor and cherish and obey my husband." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, fuck you, way. you that's, liar. That's an- it's in the wedding vows. <laughs> you and, have it both I, ways, I, every fucking time. Asshole. Like, <laughs> He's not yeah. a good person. <laughs> He's a bad person. And yet, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it's exactly Heinlein. Like it is very Heinlein, but I don't think he is exactly because this is this is the other reason I I've been wanting to do it, Paul. Not uh, for the memories that you had of it, but I'm just amazed. Like this dude Heinlein was so into these ideas that are very, like, early. Like, if you think back, and there's a movie version of it too, right? Um, All You Zombies is a transsex, transsexual story. So, uh, I, I, um, yeah. It's, it's always, yeah, you're the right, Predestination, which we need to do that story at some point and, do, and see that movie. I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty much the same idea, except it's got that time travel, travel element. He's, he's mm. his own grandpa, ha, ha, ha. 
Um, that's his funny joke. But, like, why is this dude, Heinlein, so interested in this subject so early? You know, he's he's a guy from Missouri. He's he's. Uh, we're in Sailor. 1907, yeah. Right. It's like in, in Bible is, Belt, Missouri. Like if if I, he was born in the 70s, I think he'd be transsexual today. I, I think yeah. it was a it was an abiding interest. He's a he's a heterosexual man who is also interested in being a woman. And what I remembered from this book, Paul, was two things. One is there's a super rich old man who is heterosexual, and when he switches bodies with his secretary. Uh, switches his brain into her body, he becomes a heterosexual um, woman. And I'm like, that is not... Um, usually... Well, well, I'm, not, I'm not so sure she, he's entirely heterosexual. Obviously, he's, and he's, this is he, talking he, he about gay really straight back and, and forth. Witty. Dude, he's, he's, he's omnisexual. He's, he wants yeah. to... But more importantly, he marries uh, a man... Um, and he another had, old man, and he had that no interest him. in that yeah. before. He says, right? Like that was not, that's the big surprise to him is that being in a woman's body, he becomes. Now, this is actually very interesting because this is not what the the normal transsexual story is in our world, right? In our world, the idea is you are born in the wrong body, right? That your 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 uh, perceived mental or uh, your your brain is telling you that you're a male and you're actually female. And so you felt awkward and weird your whole life. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to be put into your right body. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite story of what we're, we have yeah. here. Right. And that's, what's so interesting about it is I don't think he's, I don't think he's, he's thinking through these ideas in a way that no one else is doing because he's all there out there on his own. Right. There's, mm-hmm. there's day million and there's him. Right. Um, also, and, Venus and plus X. The, uh, yeah, there's a few. Uh, there's, a few yeah. there's a few other novels. There's a few little things, are, are but notice it's in science it. fiction. It's not in the mainstream. Like there's a there's a there was a movie about uh, the I can't remember the movie's title. I think it was a movie about a transsexual woman based on a real person um, uh, from the fifties, I think. Um, anyways, it it was uh, it was. You know, like a big blockbuster movie because it's a, a novel concept, and and so it it, it is there. there. He's pointing to something, but here he's actually like going. Through, it's not just like a prurient. Let's look at the the tranny. It's a oh my god. Let's explore what this means in a science fiction novel of great length, right? And like the fact that he spends all this time worrying about dresses and makeup. I mean, this doesn't help me either because I don't care about dresses or makeup or, you know, you know, cuddles. Or <laughs> so it's very um, it's very much about a performance, as I think Evan was yeah. saying. It's about the performance of being female as well as, you know, having the body of a female being a subject. Yeah, that's of, why I don't want to of the male gaze. Hmm? I don't want to overinterpret Johann Sebastian Ock Smith's sexuality. I'm just going to assume he's he's heterosexual. I don't want to say because he acts this way as Joanne, Johan, however it's pronounced, mm-hmm. to the, the feminization of his name. Uh, however, he acts as that. I don't want that really to have any bearing on his because I don't think there's an essential sexuality in anyone. I think it's 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 it is performance. It's it's 
it's the sexual libertarian in mm-hmm. me that appreciates that approach to it. I guess that yeah, do whatever you want, go do, for it. Do what thou wilt, right? That uh, of course he's super rich, so he shall, can do. Shall, a, shall oh, be, yeah, uh, shall be the whole of the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah but. In, in theory, maybe not as it's presented in this novel, but in theory. I think how, how it shows up in Stranger in a Strange Land. I think one way, they're both kind of dealing with sexual libertarianism, mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. those novels, but Stranger in a Strange Land doesn't ground it in one weird guy's head, you know, or one, one no. person's solipsistic experience. It's grounded in communities. It's grounded mm-hmm. in actual movement cultures that emerge in that a, world. A growing religion, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's a better approach to this story, but it doesn't get to this aspect of it, which is the the, the, the transsexual issue, which I think is done really interesting here. Because I emphasize performativity and cultural context and all that in, in sexuality. That's how I see it. I, I, well, I, yeah, I don't want... think I don't think there's an eternal self. I just haven't found it yet. I've been mm. looking for. I'm, I've been around <laughs> this planet forty sometimes. And I haven't found this internal self. <laughs> I can sit there and think all I want, and I don't see it. Well, there's uh, the, maybe I should become a Buddhist or something. Well, that's the whole thing, right? Is if if you're yeah. if you're properly meditating, the self goes away. That's the, what yeah. they always say, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the the coming back to the reality, the memory of what you just had, and the experience of of uh, that. I don't know, a cup of coffee or whatever, <laughs> and uh, and watching that movie and. I'm thinking about what your dad said when you were six years old or whatever. All of that stuff comes back into play. And yet, uh, you know, actors can act in a role. And yeah. it, especially if you're uh, – what's that's that's why I want to read this book called uh, Sartre Resartus. You know this book? No. Mm. Uh, is that, Was that a yes, Evan? No. Like Sar- Jean-Paul Sartre? No, it's, uh, it's called Sartre Resartus. It's a – it's a uh, Thomas Carlyle 1836 novel, uh, first published in the serial. I've collected it together. Uh, I'll just read the description here. Uh, oh, Taylor Retailored is a, uh, or Sartre Resartus is the title, but Taylor Retailored is what it means. First published in as a serial in Fraser's Magazine, November 1833 to August 1834. The novel purports to be a commentary on and the thought and early life of a German philosopher called Diogenes Tufelsdrach, which translates to uh, God-born devil dung. <laughs> 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 Author of a tome entitled Clothes, Their Origin and Influence, what is actually uh, something else, some other. Poimenen. Right. Truffelstock's transcendentalist musings are mulled over by the skeptical English reviewer, referred to as an editor, who also provides fragmentary biographical material on the philosopher. The work is in part a parody of Hegel and German idealism. However, Truffelstock uh, is also a literary device which, which Carlyle can d- express difficult truths. So this book sounds really fun. Um, yeah, it does. And what's interesting is we have this concept of the clothes to make the man, right? The mm-hmm. reason he's a doctor is because he's wearing a white lab coat. <laughs> so I have to trust him and do what he says when he says, it's okay, I put my finger in your butt. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. Oh, you're wearing a white lab coat. That's fine. <laughs> right? Um, when you see a guy uh, in a mall who is wearing a yellow vest, you think of him as mall security, right? Mm-hmm. Um 
And so when people approach you with the idea that you're mall security, uh, I like I, I used to make the mistake every once in a while I would go to Best Buy and I'd be wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> people would come up oh. to me like as if I'm I'm an employee there. I'm like I I, I I did that accidentally at Target with a red shirt once. See, there you go. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful about putting on the wrong uniform and putting on the because people have expectations of of you. And even if even if they you aren't putting out those vex expectations, those expectations mm-hmm. are put upon you. Um yesterday I was someone on Twitter tweeted about a women, I guess it was girls, uh, protesting uh, a rule that said they were not allowed to wear pants to school, you know, and there's a bunch of girls wearing pants. <laughs> and it's like, ooh, controversial. Not today, right? <laughs> but back in 1934, that was a big deal. Women mm-hmm. had to wear skirts they're not allowed, or, or dresses, but they're not. So if you are talking about a body, a human body, yeah as a piece of clothing, which I think we do all the time. I go to the gym and I see these dudes looking at themselves in the mirror, pumping their muscles and looking at themselves and look, this, this suit's looking better and better. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because now when I go to the beach, they'll see my new swimsuit is very fashionable. It just looks like Brad Pitt's, you know, he, very fashionable, high end. <laughs> um, and if you think of yourself as uh, a meat sleeve, like you see in uh, his, who's that guy's book, uh, Richard K. Morgan's uh, novels, right? Altered Carbon, yeah. or Altered Carbon, which we did on the podcast. Or if you think about Neuromancer and how Case has this contempt for the flesh, right? Or, or mm-hmm. Lyndon Nagata's Nanotech Succession novels have plenty of that sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think you know. This is uh, when I play PUBG, I play as a female. And I'm saying, does this make me transsexual? I don't know. I guess I am in the game. Uh, On the other hand, yeah. I'm, I, I'm looking at her butt the whole time as she's, as she's running away from me. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it just makes me appreciate a, a woman's butt running away from me. I don't I'm like uh, what I it think won't. is so important about this book is that literally. He's saying, we're going to strip away the entire body. So it isn't just plastic surgery or a wig, right? It's the entire body that has been replaced. And then let's see how that has an effect on a person. And I think ultimately he concludes uh, that it won't work. And that's why he has her reject, you know, the body reject his brain or whatever. And, but and, isn't this the old transhumanist kind of yes. argument? Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I think this is going to be a Rapture paraphrase of, of, of what was in tra- uh, Transmetropolitan, but I'm sure it's been described elsewhere. You know, you cut off a hand and you replace your hand. Mm-hmm. Are you still human? Yes. You cut off your other hand, replace it with a robot hand. Are you still human? You know, cut off your legs, replace them with robot legs. Are you still human? Yeah. So let's start getting into the like the eyes. We'll put in the robot eyes or whatever. We'll replace the neurons with synthetics. At what point do you stop being human? Right? Yeah, you can, you can get into in, college level philosophy with that. I mean, every cell in your body college is, level. Well, well every, <laughs> every, every cell in your body is replaced every yeah. seven years, but you rem- you still remain yourself. Yeah, true. So I think ultimately we are just kind of. What's out there? Yeah. I mean, it's 
It's it's our performance. It's how other people see us. How we right? think of ourselves. I mean, yeah, it's external I mean, and internal. Speaking of a gen- like a gender issue, like like the oppression of women throughout history is largely due to their bodies. It's not due to like their internal feminine soul. That's not what <laughs> men in societies want to oppress. It's their reproductive and and productive <laughs> capacity. Yes, that yep. was oppressed yep. for millennium. Not yep. not not their femininity. At least that's what it seems to me. I agree. Yeah. Did uh, you go for it? Did you guys both? Oh, yeah. This guy. If this is a patriarchal society, I guess it's not as patriarchal as. I don't know. I, I didn't think. About uh, it. Well, it, it's less I mean, patriarchal. It's less patriarchal than it used to be because the whole love, honor, and when he goes for the obey, the judges, the 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 judges go like, "You really want to go there?" It's just, it's kind of implying like nobody does that anymore. Yeah. So it, it's kind of losing its patriarchy, but. He himself is because he, because Johann Smith, if I do the math right, was born about the same time as Heinlein mm-hmm. in oh, real yeah. life. So he bit, so that that's the whole, yeah, Heinlein, this character thing. But it was a small little thing I wanted to mention. Did you both guys both catch the Tiresias myth reference in this book? I don't think so. Yeah, I missed um, it. Okay. So Tiresias was this, was this uh, Greek philosopher who the gods put into the body of a woman because Zeus and Hera had a bet over it. And, then he turned it back and he said, well, what do you, who did you like have sex better, as a man or as a woman? And Teresa says, I thought having a woman was, was, better, was better for sex. And Hera, and Zeus got upset about that and turned him blind. Ah, for I get you. But, wait, but wait. yeah, so, so, so that the whole bit about, oh, yeah, sex is better for a woman, I immediately thought, oh, yeah, that's the Teresa Smith. What was that, that movie from the 90s? Stranger Thing? Not, not Stranger Things. Strange Days? Strange Days, yeah. Where... There was actually a fetish, like men putting in the yeah, putting oh, that yeah, on to experience sex for women. I, I, yeah, I yeah, right, yeah, right, fine, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That the the. the but I've thought of that. I, I'll admit, I've thought of that quite a lot. The the title "Strange Days" was the working title of Blade Runner. That's where the oh really yeah. oh really so that they could well they you know so they could shoot it without I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but <laughs> in any case, yeah. um, uh, it so happened. I don't know if it must have been from a, something else we were working on yesterday, but I was talking about the ship of Theseus with one of my students, you know, explaining what it was and the concept of identity being in it. I, I think it was what uh, Brian Alexander, I said to him one time, uh, or maybe it wasn't him. Anyway, somebody said something like... Um, uh, I've had this axe my whole life. Maybe one of my uncles said this to me as well. I've had this axe my whole life. Uh, my father gave it to me when I was seven years old. And then I've been chopping trees with it every day. Right? And then, and I said, wow, that looks so so pristine. He said, oh, yeah, I, I had the axe handle replaced. In fact, this is the third time I've replaced the axe handle. I said, oh, well, so is it is it the same axe that your father gave you? Oh, yes. And then he fondles the, the blade, right? I said, wow, it's not even worn that much. He says, I know. This is the third axe <laughs> third axe head I've put on it. Uh-huh. Right? So that uh, this is a ship of Theseus made of two objects, right? The axe head and the yeah. axe handle. Um, hmm. Okay. So what, uh, what, oh, I know how it was. I was talking about, um, I got this copy of uh, of a great comic from... Uh, Jason Thompson, uh, adaptation of a Clark Ashton Smith story. 
and it, I made a, a scan of it so that we can make notes all over it and point things out and not have to ruin the original comic, right? And so what makes it valuable to me uh, is that it's a great comic. And, oh, it's also cool that my friend Jason Thompson gave me this, and he signed it on the first page if you look at the bottom a tiny little note. But when I die, somebody's going to probably not notice that, and they'll just think it's a comic. Now, if they market it properly, they will come up with a provenance. Say, this famous dude who had a long-running podcast, his name was Jesse. Boy, he had a friend, and that person, well, it's an association copy, right? This is not just a any old comic. This is a special, better than the first printing, right, of of this. So, oh, I know how it came up with a comic called The Pro, which is a Garth Ennis comic. Very funny. Uh, about a superhero who's a prostitute. She uses her superpowers uh, to make more... She can suck off more dicks quicker. It's um, so yeah, funny. You made me think of the boys. It is very much like that, except oh. it's earlier. Anyways, yeah. the first... The, I had two copies for some reason, and the first printing is shorter than the sixth printing because they have an extra story. So I'm going to keep the sixth printing because I don't have a fondness for the money. I like the story, right? So long story short... We've got this idea of the ship of Theseus and every body part being replaced, every panel in the... Uh, in, I'm talking about my car. It's 30 years old. I've replaced, you know, uh, half the engine parts. And it, eventually you can get this idea of you can replace uh, every... every. Uh, this is right in the ship of Theseus stories from the ancient days, right? You can take every part of the ship of Theseus off and replace it with a better piece and then somehow later restore those other pieces and have two ships of Theseus, right? Which one is Theseus's original ship? Ooh, well, the whole point of this story is to show that identity is a fictional concept or a concept that only applies within brains, right? It's not a concept that can apply in the universe. When you breathe okay, so in oxygen, you don't say, oh, that particular oxygen was great. It's just fucking oxygen, right? It's just two, two O's stuck together, they don't have any, uh, you know, memory. They don't have any, uh, you know, they're not even like uh, radioactive in different ways, right? Any two of them. They're all exactly uh, pretty much the same. Well, yeah, well, unless, unless you wind up with oxygen with a different isotope and even then. Uh, that's what but I'm saying is like there's <laughs> O's and O2's and O3's. Sure, there's all this stuff. But ultimately, any particular atom is not any, you know... Any different from any other it's atom, just, exactly like it, and and just, that identity is goes away. Um, and in this story, we're we're given there's this guy and he has this trial, right? Which is a, I don't think a very good part of the book, but it's there. And no, it's, but it's not a trial, and they argue about and they argue with that. Mm -hmm. This is not a trial. This is just a hearing. It's right. like, and they go over that over and over again, which makes me think of the impeachment. Stuff here. <laughs> and it comes back again too later on, right? Yeah. That uh, that oh yes, uh, the Supreme Court finally decided that you are Johann Smith and whatever. It's like yeah, don't care <laughs> at this point. I, by that point, we 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 don't care. If you but retell this story uh, as a as a, from a poor person's point of view, like imagine Johann Smith wants to do this trial and he gets this doctor. He wants to switch bodies but he's a little bit afraid so he, he has it done to a poor person right tell the same story uh of you know what it's like to be swapped into somebody else's body 
um, not one you expected to be swapped into. Um, it's it, it could be a very different kind of story. It's still exploring a lot of the same ideas, but with with less focus on on just the prurience of this fucking whack job getting his sex jollies from everybody he meets. Um, I, 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 I admit I did. I we're going along and we get to the whole let's emigrate to the moon. We should talk about that. Uh, about that, but about that whole strand in the mm-hmm. Turner the in the Turner hypothesis. Uh, but before and, we and, do, I want to I want to talk about the Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man. You guys know about okay. the Tin Man yeah, story. But, but, and, and, but, but the one the one thing I want to go go, go with for. this is it's like I was like, and he says, I mean, he has this prick. She they have a prickly relationship with this immigrations officer, and then she starts like cuddling up to him. And I'm thinking like. I don't remember this, and I feel this feels really, really, really strange and skeevy, and I don't like it at all. Get me out of this book by this point. Like it was Dude, that, that was right near the end. <laughs> you should have been skeeved out way before oh, that. Oh, I was, but that was especially skeevy because he goes through this whole thing and this whole power dynamics, and it's like, and he calls, and she calls her out. And I was like, oh yeah, you're using your. you're using your position, and you're abusing things, and then she cuddles up to him. It's like, what the fuck man yep. no i don't want this this is not what i want why are you doing this why are you trying to be soft and so he's like oh you, you remember joanne you're just like what the hell no i re- i really really was really really i mean this book really skewed me up but that just like really set me off at that point absolutely <laughs> well let's uh, you want to talk to wizard of oz which might yeah. be a nice so this guy um the Tin Woodsman from The Wizard of Oz, right? He's in a bunch of the Oz books, but uh, I've, I think I've only read Wizard of Oz, the original, uh, that book. There's, I don't even think that's the first book in the series. Anyways, uh, we, we learn throughout the course of the stories um, all about him and all sorts of different things happen to him. His original name is Nick Chopper. <laughs> He's an ordinary woodcutter <laughs> who was trying to learn, earn enough money to run off with his fiance and be a proper husband. Her family didn't approve of him, so they went uh, to the Wicked Witch of the East and had a curse, had her curse his axe. He ended up a cyborg when <laughs> a cyborg when a tinsmith who's literally who's likely working for the witch replaces his mutilated body parts with tin. So he like chops off one of his hands and mm-hmm. they replace that with tin, and eventually chops his own head off. Right. Um, his entire goal of getting a heart was go back and get his girlfriend, of course, by the time he does blah, blah, blah. The important part is, it doesn't say in this particular, I was reading about him yesterday as well. The important part is, eventually in the Oz series, all of the conjoined body parts that had been cut off, all the cut off arms and legs and heads, are rejoined by somebody else into like a golem. Sort of what? So that he, there's a there's an argument as to which one is the original Nick Chopper, right? The guy who had been living mm. as the Tin Man, or this guy who has the maybe better claim, being that he's all the body parts of the original Nick Chopper, and and then I guess they fight over the girl as well, right? So there's this whole concept of like what makes a person. A person, the character, and where is identity and all this, like the cloning stuff that we... I, I, I've been saying there isn't really a good cloning novel. There isn't a novel that's all about cloning uh, that does a good job with it. And I think I think that's true. Uh, there's some movies, and none of them are particularly good. But the idea of, of dealing with this concept of, like, who, where is identity and ultimately coming, concluding that it is 
I think, uh, as it is in Moby Dick, it's all bullshit, right? The, the, it is just layer upon layer. It's an onion with no center, and you are all those layers of the onion, and that's you. And as you grow in life, you accumulate more onion skins and forget about part interior onion skins, and you focus on uh, this part because it's, just, I don't know, f- fresher or greener or whatever, or browner. In any case, it's all a mistake. And I, I, these sort of uh, ideas, like the ship of Theseus, sort of sh- are our way of seeing how this is a problem. And and that's mm-hmm. maybe why there isn't a good... Because every cloning book I've read it turns into an action-adventure contest. You know, like, can we Walter. get to the machine thingy on time and put the key in the slot before the bomb blows up? I don't care. Um, that we don't need that. What we what we want in a cloning book is like, what does it mean? What is it? What what does this ultimately mean? And if you've met twins, you know that it doesn't mean that damn thing. You can be friends with one of them because you spent time doing things with that person, mm-hmm. and not friends with the other one because genetics ain't that important. It does give you well, something, but so does upbringing. Well, have you read Nine Lives? Mm-mm. That's that's Ursula K. Le Guin's. Oh, she um, read a novel on cloning. Yeah, I nine no lives. Idea. I never it's, even heard of it. I don't. I'm saying it's going to convince you. There's, you know, that there's a great novel or novella about cloning out there, but wow. it's worth checking out. Okay, it it's deals with, with some of those there issues. It is, Sixty-eight. Oh, it's in Playboy. Yeah, interesting. It's uh, well, I came across it in that Futurist Female uh-huh. Library of America volume. That I was found their representation her second of story is public domain. Uh, I went and somebody was announcing that she. She's been dead for two years or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, damn, her first story's not. And I went and looked and found her second story's public domain. So I'll, pu- mm. I'll be putting that up soon. Um, hmm. Well, I, I, I need somebody to do an audio But there's sex of- stuff in that, in, that, in that one because there's, like, all these clones are having sex with each other. <laughs> well, Heinlein would love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As long um, as there's totally unequal power dynamics. Um, the, uh, I think did, they're more egalitarian. In did you, do you remember the little sequence explaining in this book explaining uh, how Joe was raised? There's a lot about Joe, the painter. Yeah. With the, the narrator gives him, a, he sounds Italian or something. I don't understand it exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyways, his, his mom turns out, we're told, is a wino, um, and that's so. That's why the uh, main character shouldn't be sending her money because she's going to spend this money, um, and Joe knows that. But Joe's illiterate. I, I I almost think that Joe is also Heinlein in uh, very obvious ways, like his more artistic end of himself. You know, instead of being he only a, he only cares about his art. I mean, he has to yeah. be browbeaten to be given money for his paintings, yeah, right. which is it's kind of like of, real extreme. Yeah. And then um, we also get this stuff about Joe. You know, he's 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 not good at shopping. <laughs> he's just kind of like he's, he's a- only good at painting and and not even in commercial stuff because they talk about oh yeah he, he doesn't want to do commercial stuff that would sell. He just wants to do stuff art that he likes. He's like he's like the worst Heinlein when it de- coming to s- selling his books. You know, he's he's actually quite an interesting character uh, in this book, and he's sort of some suppressed compared to a lot of the other ones who sort of blend together 
and, and you mentioned you know, like he's almost like the most ethical person in this entire book because he he's not interested in this whole corrupt society. He just wants to make paintings and and live his life. And but he has a mother that wants him to get the money, and he he, get, he can't really function well in society either. He's illiterate, which kind of reminds me. I mean, some so, some of this world building since I've re- watched it recently kind of reminds me a little bit of Soil and Green. You mentioned the movie and sure. talking about. Because at one point there's a character in Slam Queen who just has a first name and only a first name, and he just says it's perfectly legal. Yeah. It's like, like it's perfectly legal. <laughs> Soylent, the Silent name. Green movie really is, is fabulous, um, as is the book. Although I, I think the movie's even better. Um, the movie's it, a lot more punchier than the book. And also uh, another thing I love about that movie is it's it's basically a gay love story between Saul and uh, Charlton Heston. I and, yeah, and they just say, "I love you, Saul. I love they, you." They're I, roommates, yeah. yo. They're the, the, roommates. They, 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 I mean, still, I mean, we 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 see uh, Heston reject. Heinlein must have loved reject Cheryl at the end, but at the end, but but, but the, the most powerful scene is the two of them in that. Euthanasia place. It is. Yeah. It's super, super powerful and, and effective, you know, that it, it shows us something that we see, nature. Um, mm-hmm. But in the context I had, of... I had no idea. How it, could I know? That's right. It, that, 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 that scene gets me every time. It's a wonderful scene. I tweeted it a few times this year. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think this, this is a, a great book in a certain way. But also a terrible book that nobody should read. <laughs> I, I I I read it once. I remember regretting reading it at the time. I'm like, God damn it, Heinlein. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, I heard or read, I guess, that he had had peritonitis um, while writing this, and that's like yeah, he, he got super real painful sick right? around this time. Yeah, yeah. and I mean that's somebody what he got tied said, with the. Somebody with says the rare blood this causes. Like oh yeah, that's definitely in there. Um, this is why that book is badly edited, and I'm not sure that's a good excuse because all his later books are also badly edited in the sense that nobody was there to crack the whip and say, "Why do you have these endless scenes of dialogue going on forever? Can't you?" Yeah, the the way Wikipedia puts this, it's thought to have been published without his usual editing and polish. I'm not sure that was yeah, the real problem here. That's a here. very kind. <laughs> like like people didn't want to edit edit them so tightly anymore. There was nobody to really make yeah tighten things up, as mm. you say. So, so 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 I wanted to talk a bit about the the whole the whole moon thing and and, th- and and that shows this is an artifact of the times because we have this moon colony and it's mm-hmm. a different moon colony than say in the moon is a harsh mistress. This I'm not is, sure about that. I think they're all connected. Or, yeah, I was thinking about that. It's just a different it, it, time in the in the it would be column. very early. It would be very early because there's only like mm-hmm. a few hundred people there, but there's the whole but they're also talking about building starships mm-hmm. or at least starship research and there's a whole Turner Frontier hy- hypothesis running through that last bit of the, bit of the book that mm-hmm. Earth the Earth is worn out. Earth Earth, That's Earth very is done. Okay, Dick. Evan. Yeah, you notice that? Yeah, that's it's like let's 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 just get out among the stars because that's the where the future of man is, and the real people, the good people, the people that are worth yeah that are worth anything will emigrate, and everybody else, well, they can they just live on this tired old Earth. It's like I'm yeah, it's like that's not really what we see. That's Elon Musk. The reality space travel anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. 
yeah, 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 Elon Musk. One percenters are going to all move to Mars and leave us in in our abandoned areas. The the amount of energy and resources needed to terraform Mars to a livable status is far less than it would take to fix this planet. It would take much more. No, no, that's what what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Now he th- he th- he thinks it's only possible. Yeah, we could tell for Mars. Like, no, we can't. It would take far oh, more yeah. resources to do it than to fix Earth. We could oh, terraform Mars, but oh yeah, God, yeah. no, no, Obviously. no, no. Elon Musk. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Tr- uh, trying to figure out the problems of space colonization and space travel aren't worthwhile, but they're not. We're not. We're not going to get. Oh, not going to all move off the Earth, or the one percent is not going to move off the Earth. There's just. We don't have the technology or the resources to do that. It's a pipe dream. We don't. They do. We really should do Red <laughs> Mars at some point and talk about it. Have you guys? I've, not, I've never Mars? read it because it was so long. I was. I was it, it, is, it is a long book, but it might be. But we, we've done. If we want to have this, if we want to, we can invite Elon Musk to. to have <laughs> hmm. I, I, Red I, I, yes, it's a long book, Jesse. But I wouldn't mind. Is there an audio book of Red yes, Mars? Yes, Mars? there is. Yeah, there yes. is. I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind doing it. I knew. I realized that I'm a big fan cool. of Kim Stanley Robinson, but. Um, I'm. I was intimidated by the fact that it's a trilogy, and it is, also it, it, I don't like. Uh, I don't like things to be long just to be long. I mean, this is. Uh, this is the second week in a row where I read a big long book, and I'm like, damn, I I got lots yeah, of podcasts I, I, yeah, I want to listen to. I noticed you know? that we went, we went well, from long to long book, and mm-hmm. this novel, I'll fear no evil. Didn't have to be this long, dude. I was listening at double done speed, it and it was hours, still way too fucking but long. I think Red Mars. Justifies its its bulk. I don't know if it's a trilogy. I haven't read the other two in the it, trilogies. It, 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 is, it is a trilogy, but I think Red Mars. It's. I'm not it, saying no. It's I'm like just saying, justified. Give me, call me back in six months because um, I need a break well, from long books. It, it, that are it's super long. Twenty three hours and fifty one minutes. It's super long. It is. Super, it is super long. I'm not saying it's not worthwhile, but that that is, that is a commitment. You it, might want to have like, a short long, story. So. And that's 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 an all time classic. I hear I hear Red Mars is good, um, but I, I also am not I I'm not a fan of meetings, story. and I think there's a few meetings in there as well. Of course, there's meetings in there. I'm not a fan. But of I, I remember that the whole series of Mar- books involving Mars back in the '90s. At the same time, Red Mars, there was Moving Mars by Greg Bear, and mm-hmm. there Ben Bova did a book Mars books like. Mars is big in the '90s. If you want to do a Mars book, I would do Red Planet by Heinlein. I, I'm very fond do of that wrote, book. Do you want to touch Heinlein again anytime soon? Though? <laughs> no, not no, I'll, I'll, I'll take a three month sabbatical from Heinlein because. Yeah, well, let's leave Heinlein to the fall. But I'm saying, yeah. I'm a little sick of Heinlein at this oh, point I after this you. thing. Dude. Literally, I want to assassinate this Johann Smith. And I was thinking, like, what you know what's really missing from this book that's not. Because it is a very modern book in many ways. It, it deals with the corruption, deals with you know the billionaire class, the, the mm-hmm. abandonment of all sorts. You know, it's very Social societal breakdown. I was going to say Harvey Weinstein, but it's the other guy. Who was the guy who was who was assassinated in prison in New York? Jeffrey, Je- that guy. Oh, Jeffrey oh, Epstein. Epstein. Right. Yeah. This is very Jeffrey Epstein. Um, oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say about Joe is that. Uh, Apparently, as a kid, he was adopted by a painter who was married and also used him as a sex slave. Yes, it's like that. Heinlein, you know, the thing is, is you think it might be cool to say, 
no pants Smith, right? Um, it's aren't I naughty? I might be a bitch, but I'm not a cunt. Or uh, he has all these lines where he says, uh, "I'm not a I'm not a slut. I'm a tart." There's a big difference. I'm like, fuck you. I don't care about this. Get on with the fucking story. Stop having these stupid conversations where you talk about, you know, the iteration of, like, <laughs> what's the difference between a tart and a slut? Oh, well, I'm a tart because tarts give it away or whatever. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck his argument is. The important part is he's just exploring. He's per- he is personifying and playing with these characters. And because there's no one there to say, hold on a second, this sounds real bad. If you thought about the power dynamics here, you're saying this mm-hmm. it's okay for this 12-year-old to go shack up with an old 82-year-old man because he'll learn something from it. This sounds like really bad fucking shit that causes problems, not just, you know for when people look at it and say, oh, you got raped by an old man, but for the kid himself, right? Like, this is not cool. Why are you doing that? And I think the reason he's doing that is because he's all about the exploration and saying, you know, we're all consenting adults here. Yeah, but uh, that uh, that says there's no difference in power between a very rich old dude who's been gathering up uh, Congress people and senators and and Supreme Court Supreme justices, Court justices yeah. uh, like a deck of cards he can pull out and slap down on the table at any time, and this. A servant who depends upon you for not only their employment, but also not being thrown back into fucking prison. You asshole. This is not an equal relationship. You can't just go around manipulating people like this as a puppet. This is literally pure evil. It's just, he's not sadistic about it. It just, it's it's all so selfish, right? It's not like, I want to I wanna put people in ovens. I want to be those people. I want to play with their lives. I want to manipulate them for their own good. And then every once in a while there's a character saying, no, that's a bad idea and here's why. But they don't go quite far enough to say, you should be stripped of your powers. You don't deserve this much power. You don't deserve this much control of other people's lives. In fact, what you're doing is monstrous. And perhaps the reason the society that you're you're flying over in your – they're actually driving. I kept thinking those flying cars, but – uh, driving through in your armored cars with shotguns at the ready, the reason you're doing that is because you wrecked this world. It's not okay, Boomer. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's not a Boomer. He's he's a earlier than a Greatest Generation dude. Right? Not okay. <laughs> not okay at all. So, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to the next timeline. But he is he is a powerful ideas man, and that's the reason to read him, even if. Wait. You want to Even slap them in the face every yeah, but, yeah, five yeah, seconds. but this one's just buried under too much other stuff to recommend to anybody except, like, say, like say a Heinlein scholar, like, say, Farah Mendelssohn. I'm, I'm not probably sure. Only person I'm not sure. I, I think I benefited from it the first time, you know, having read it. I, I thought I was wiser. Um, I also – I don't think you take it on board and say now – like, I guess some people do that. They they say, now I am a Anne Randian. Right, they read an Ayn Rand book. Got into a conversation on Twitter about uh, the last issue of Famous Fantastic Mysteries. It had a Robert E. Howard story, and it had you know C.L. Moore, and a, maybe it wasn't a C.L. Moore, and an, and Ayn Rand's anthem. Right, it's like they're trying to get rid of all their greatest stuff in their last issue. Right, and then somebody says, "You couldn't pay me <laughs> to read Ayn Rand." 
Uh, I've read Ayn Rand. I think it's important that you read it. I don't think it's important that you accept it and <laughs> take it in. I think it's important to understand this very dangerous concept that's out there that, you know, objective selfishness is not is a good thing. That ain't a good thing. Take it in. Take in Heinlein's idiocy uh, about certain things while he's also giving you this astounding piece of very early exploration and honestly probably is good an exploration at novel length as you'll ever get on this subject at least up to this day right that you're going to get on this subject i don't think anybody's paul you've seemed to have read some modern stuff but i don't i don't see anything out there that does what this is doing except you know with all these terrible scenes and endless meetings behind desks and lawyers offices and judges offices fuck i don't want to ever see a desk again <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a whole little subplot about him being able to run run the 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 uh, the secretary's desk. Like, what? <laughs> where, where is your editor here? I don't care about the editor's. De- the, the, it's where he spends I mean, his time, yo. Yeah. It's where Heinlein literally spent his time. I, uh, do you mm-hmm. know where this is supposed? Where is his his house is supposed to be? Because I don't know. Is it supposed to be Colorado? It doesn't ever say, does it? Um, it does not say at any point where this is. I assumed that this was California, and the reason why is because they go out on the boat into the Pacific, not to the Atlantic. And there's no there's no implication of them having traveled across the country yeah. to go get the boat, mm. to go on their south sailing thing. And so I assumed, okay, I, yeah, because, because they carefully don't say the name of any American city. That's kind of weird that he doesn't do that. Uh, he, he, he makes it like anywhere city USA and 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 to television audiences and everything else. That means, yeah, it's it's Brady Bunch Southern California, except with no-go zones and uh, gimbals, gimbals having a compound for, for uh, bridge shoppers to visit. A compound. Oh, yeah. Like... So yeah, so I assumed yeah, I'm assuming oh yeah, Los Angeles, I, I, Los I, Angeles Basin. I, I it makes sense. I I thought like when they went to the speakeasy sort of place, I figured that was like somewhere in the Bronx or something, you know, like. It, it, I th- I thought like oh yeah, maybe it's Bronx or Chicago, but I thought no because yeah, none none of the other evidence really supports it as far as weather. Consider lack of uh, description of weather, which is very Southern Californian. You, you know where it really gets repetitive is the number of times. Uh, he complains about chairs. <laughs> like they go oh, to the yeah, they go yeah, to the club, and then there's this whole that? thing about how the chairs are are very uncomfortable, and and in fact the whole thing is, starts off with a chair. I'm going to read the f- opening paragraph here. The room was old fashioned, 1980s baroque. That's great, right? But it was wide, long, high, and luxurious. Near simulated views windows stood an autom- near simulated view windows stood an automated hospital bed. It looked out of place, but was largely concealed by a magnificent Chinese screen. In fact, he has Chinese things come up a number of times. Chinese relationship, I think he said, uh, about some weird, you know, obli- uh, Chinese obligation. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah. forty feet from it, a boardroom table also failed to match the decor. At the head of the table was a life support wheelchair. Wires and tubings ran from it to the bed. So I'm thinking Heinlein's coming out of the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm stuck in this chair, and then he goes to his desk, and he's at this typewriter. And if you, I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted it. If you go to Twitter and type in my user handle at SFF Audio, and 
uh, Heinlein's office. It'll come up. Uh, he's, he had a very high-tech office, right, because he, he was interested in gadgets. He's a science fiction guy, and also he spends all his time in front of the typewriter or computers. Um, so and then it goes, near the wheelchair at the mobile steno desk, crowded with directional mics, how, how many directional mics does it need? Voice typewriter, clock cal- calendar, controls, and the usual ex- ancillaries, a young woman sat. She was beautiful. Her manner was that of a perfect, unobtrusive secretary. Like, I'd never thought that that was a problem before, that you'd have uh, a regular secretary and an obtrusive secretary, and then an unobtrusive Intrusive secretary and a perfect unobtrusive secretary. But she was dressed in a half exotic mode, half and half, right shoulder and breast and arm concealed in a jet black knit, left leg sheathed in a scarlet tight pant panty ruffle in both colors, joining them black sandal on the scarlet side. So there's actually a picture of this uh, on the cover of the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, this is very Philip K. Dick, too, you know? Like he's always got his secretaries buxom. And in, yeah. we see it in the original Total Recall where she's adjusting not her breast color paint, but her nails using a... Yeah, point, point, point. Yeah. point. Right. It's very, it's very high-tech future, but also, like, who has secretaries anymore? There's receptionists, <laughs> but there's no secretaries as far as I can tell. I mean, they must exist, just like butlers. The, the, company, right? I work, the company I work for does have a secretary to the But don't they, don't they call it a... Uh, an assistant or something now? No, she's still called secretary. Really? But okay. but then again, the, the owner of the company I work for is 95 years old, so there you go. There you go. When he dies, uh, they aren't going to replace his replacement with a, a him and a secretary, though it'll be a personal an assistant or vice president or what. They, they changed the title, right? Uh, anyways, so anyway. this uh, this shows up, uh, the, the, the chair and the pain, right? Pain is a big vocab word uh mm-hmm. i sent you guys the word cloud and i was surprised kissing wasn't the biggest <laughs> or kiss wasn't <laughs> the biggest was word too but yeah it, it was very big but it's it's there but uh old is the biggest one right mm-hmm. um and then you see sex is pretty big uh you know they drive around lips is pretty big <laughs> a cat shows up a number of times which is pretty interesting considering this is actually a book without a cat. They talk about uh, a kitten, right? Right, but, and they talk about just about the problem about mm-hmm. yeah, giving away cats is a bad mm-hmm. thing. But they, we don't actually see a cat. No, there's in no the cat pet. character like there is, and that's actually the book that I was most reminded of. I think I must have thought of them as the same period as the cat who walks through walls, which I. But, but the bat's like. Mm-hmm. 19, it's 15, 15 years, years later. later, right? But the thing is, is I I feel like that. I first heard that as an audiobook, and I felt like that that was a better book than this one. And maybe it is, but I haven't gone back and listened to it since, right? Um, but the thing is, is th- it's very similar. It's about an old man. Uh, goes uh, First, he starts off on, I think, a space station, and then he's also James Bond. But there, are, there literally is a cat in that one. Right? Well, yeah, Pixel. Pixel. Um, and there's, uh, you know, it's sort of a thing. But... It makes me think of how similar Heinlein is to Philip K. Dick that I never noticed before. They, their writing styles are completely different, but they're sort of they're self-confessional sort of 
you know, one of the reasons this book is, I think, so important in his mind that he wrote a book about it is it's all about fertility, as usual. Like, mm-hmm. all this sex is, is Heinlein's sterile, right? That's his whole thing. Is he, His first wife didn't give him a kid. His second wife didn't give him a kid. Um, th- he has no grandchildren. The estate is a trust, right? Which is kind of what we have in this, right? We've got all these trusts. Being, he spends all his time meeting with lawyers and doctors and and you know he's got his wife who he he loves but is willing to swap with other men um but we've got also this idea of you know of that uh, that striving for immortality in a way you know anyway if he can't do it through you know having a kid and seeing that kid grow up then you have to maybe get another life so that you can have a kid right and notice that this Johann Sebastian Bach Smith He's got one of those Smith names again. He's probably related to the kid from Mars. Um, he he has those children, right? He had a son who died in the some stupid war, right? Probably Vietnam War. Um, uh, and it turns out that that wasn't even his biological son, but it didn't matter, right? That's why Paul, you're getting confused about whose son, whose kid it is. Doesn't matter, Paul. I know who it is. You don't need to know. I am in control. You should shut up. You should do what I say. Like that's what he's basically yeah. doing, right? And then yes, it turns out he's got these granddaughters, and they're all not biologically his. Oh, but he's going to take responsibility for them. But he doesn't take responsibility for the fact they're monsters. Not even, not even his own son is biologically his. That's what I'm Did saying. You catch that? It's yes. like, what the hell? That's like, what, what I'm saying. What is this obsession? And so when he goes and basically clones himself. With- in multiple ways, he's his own father and mother, right? With the biological body of the mother and the biological brain of himself, and he takes the sperm of himself and he makes a copy of himself, right? This is all sort of like very deeply psychological. It's <laughs> like, wow, this is that's why this guy's interesting to read because he's laying it all on the page, right? It's it, it's it it isn't generic shit that can be like bottled and put out as a as a movie because it's so deeply personal to him. <laughs> oh god, I'm imagining a movie in the sense like that would it, it doesn't make any sense, right? You can't it, it, nobody is even going to try and consider filming this because it isn't about the plot, it's about the expression of, of strivings that are unspeakable and he's trying to articulate them and it's not doing a very good job because they're kind of irrational right? They're Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like his DNA wrote this book. His DNA trying to reproduce <laughs> itself, and his brain is doing the interpretation. Well, what do you want? I don't know. Let's figure this out. Oh, what about this? Okay, that sounds terrible. Let's keep going. <laughs> he does that page after page after page. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's exhausting, man. He's totally exhausting. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I mean, I liked his stuff. I, I'm glad that he wrote so many great books, but I'm kind of glad he's dead because I'd have to keep reading his stuff, and I'm not sure I can handle it. Like, I, I was glad that Johann Sebastian Bach-Smith was dead at the end of this book. <laughs> Am I wrong? Well, you guys were ha- happy he was dead, too, no. right? Not just for the story, yeah. but because he would shut up. I had not remembered that either when that she lives or dies. Well, but with the, with the dusty, let's let's find out. Um, 
All right. Surgeon, she's failing. A baby cried. A world began. Heart action dropping. Jake, Eunice, here, boss. There we go again. Grab on. There, we've got you. Is it a boy or a girl? Who cares, Johan? It's a baby. One for all and all for one. An old world vanished and then yeah, there was there's none. That, the all for one, all for, that's uh, that, the three musketeers, that, right? That's, that's why the, the three people inside that brain. Ridiculous. And, 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 I, and I have a weird headcanon about the end of this book. Um, both of you have seen Being John Malkovich, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a weird headcanon that the baby's going to have the souls of all three of them in its head. I hope not for that but that would, make, that would make perfect sense given given what we've seen in this book for the three of them to wind up in the baby's head. Uh, oh yeah, what's the other? What's the other? Um, I'm trying to think of the movie. It was an early movie with Robert Downey Jr. where he had these ghosts attached to him. Um, oh, okay. and because because they died at the same time he was born, and so they kind of like stuck with him. Um, I it, that kind of reminds me of that too. Um. Heart and Souls, maybe? Yeah, Heart and Soul. Yeah, so Robert Downey Jr. gets these bunch of, bunch of ghosts attached to him because they died at the same time he was born. Then, like, so my head can is, yes, this poor baby's going to be stuck with the three three head people in this head. When, when like you say head cannon, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, science Fiction Book Review Podcast. Luke says, he says that word, too. The first thing that comes to mind is that you've got a big cannon coming out of the front of your head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a weird head cannon as opposed to a regular head cannon. But I know what you're trying to say. It's just um, (laughs) it's the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) So, yeah. But it would be consistent with with Mm -hmm. the rules we have in this book that those three souls are I really hope that that's not true because uh, this this guy needs to go away. Did he, stri- did he strip the kid of the money? That's my question. Because if he didn't, it's going to be a problem. I mean, that seems to be the, the major which, takeaway, is that which, people which, shouldn't which, have lots of money mm-hmm. from this book. You know, yeah. it, 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 whatever yeah. happened to the money? Because the, 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 the money's the going to get the moon. Johan's, yeah. yeah, the yeah, money's yeah, going to the moon. It's getting a little bit. And notice <laughs> he, he does this tie-in. He says that he has this long speech where the moon is the baby. Right. Yeah. And that the investment in a baby, like that's that's yeah. what's so cool is that Heinlein is, it really is his baby, right? That the moon and the moon landings are his baby, and you know he was super excited when he was, uh, and I keep looking for it. It's very hard to find, um, but he was he was like brought out to the NASA thing to you know do commentary on it on TV when it was happening yeah there was and, a bunch of people around. and the thing is is you know there was a book uh and destination moon there was a movie right but he's the guy who's saying we can do this shit in a way that other people were just you know let's go to mars right and then they have these rocket ships that look like literally like the kinds in buck rogers where he's saying no 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 it's going to be a multi-stage thing, right? It's going to uh, be feasible because we're going to mine shit on there, right? He's working out all the stuff because it can really be done, guys, right? And, you know, the, as much as we think, especially in a book like this, that he isn't really a hard science fiction writer, he really was, at a certain time, the, the leading exponent, you know, the highest um, sort of popularizer of this idea of of space he, he, program yeah he was um 
this reminds me of um, the, the Niven time travel story, The Return of William Proxmire, where in the mm-hmm. alterized world, he's a he's an admiral, but he runs the space program for the United States. Mm-hmm. And that makes per- I read that long ago. It's like, well, that makes perfect sense that in an alter timeline that where he wasn't sick, he'd become space admiral. Yeah, that's totally timeline. Because he's a, he, it was it was really that was you know he can't focus that, he can't actually was, make a kid with his wife he can't have that sort of pleasure that he seemed to have really wanted um, and so and I he, didn't know that for years I mean I remember reading Expanded Universe you know that collection of mm-hmm, essays mm-hmm. and stories and he talks about his trip to Russia and he talks about talks about talking people about children and so well uh, unfortunately unfortunately. Uh, he really, really, really wanted it in a have, way that other people didn't. I haven't had children. Didn't. I was thinking, like, why did you have children? Like, it was a back. I didn't know for years later yeah, that he was basically sterile. But was he sterile because of all the STDs that he got? Is <laughs> my question because obviously he was super swinging. And the swinging might have come by, by you know, trying to make it happen. You know, other ways with other. Um, I, I I haven't read that biography. I don't know. Mind, so I, can't I don't know. know. But the thing is, is it was super super important for him, and so you get this weird, incredibly weird book where, you know, well, my wife can't conceive a child. Maybe if I was my wife, like <laughs> weird, weird <laughs> dude. My wife, yeah. It's kind of weird, but uh, yeah, I I do not recommend this book. Um, however, if you are going to I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not entertaining. Um, there are interesting bits in there, but it's something you should read if you are interested in what the fuck's going on with these stupid, weird humans. Because this is a really good insight into that. Like, we're, we're really fucking selfish and, and crazy. And this is a good example of that. I would recommend reading at double speed, perhaps, on uh, your second time. Cause, yeah, I, I should have. I yeah, I read it at at, at the slow speed had you read I, this I, I read it, it hit me by the end i mean Evan? by the midpoint it was really i was feeling pretty bleak about the end of the novel had you read it before <clears throat> nope okay. i haven't read that much Heinlein. actually i read stranger in a strange land and the moon is a harsh mistress and the road to must roll mm-hmm. uh zombies that's totally a you story yeah a few others but mm-hmm. Well, I I think really like I uh, like I said I read everything except for like three books right the To Sail Beyond the Sunset which I I probably I've, will have to I've get read to. it I don't recommend it uh, yeah I don't recommend this book but I also do right mm-hmm. um, no not yeah, basically even. I recommend this book in a way yeah you have to I think it's too long I, th- I think it is too long. It's, it's, it's got but I'm interested in the sexual revolution so that, yes. that's kind of my if you're interest. interest if you're interested in ideas. This has them. It does have other long, other scenes, basically just too many scenes of people desks and talking yeah. about kissing and rubbing up against each other and demanding ultimatums that you sit in my lap and not have sex with me, even though I'm going to rub my dick all over you. It's just like, not you know, good. I won't let you marry me. You must marry me. It's like, what That's the right. I will yeah. only marry you if, you if you only do what I say, but only if you always obey me. It's like, what the fuck? Stop it. Please don't. I don't want to be this intimate with you, Heinlein. I like your books. Don't make me be this intimate with you. You creep. On the other hand, it's good. It has these ideas. It's important. Uh, I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I'm finished reading it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. 
This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Thank <laughs> you.